0: Welcome to Making Waves, a show about sound art produced by New Ventures in Sound Art for WGXC Farm. Making Waves is produced at the NASA North Media Arts Centre, and that's in South River, Ontario, about uh, 300 kilometres north of Toronto. It's an area that's uh, popular for summer cottaging, uh, but it's also one that uh, experiences perhaps a little harsher winter uh, uh, than you might find in southern Ontario. Podcaster and uh, radio documentarian Aisha Barmenia from Peterborough was in residence at NASA for two weeks in February. While she was there, she produced a piece uh, created from interviews collected by New Adventures in Sound Art uh, with uh, local residents and visitors to the community. On making ways, we're going to share the piece she made, which is called A Good Ways North, and we'll book in that with her uh, introducing and discussing the piece uh, for the audience that was there at the premiere.
1: Darren and Nadine invited me to come do this. Residency, and um, they gave me these uh, interviews that they'd done over the past few years in South River. Uh, they had gone out and interviewed um, different folks who live here who come to the cafe, but also artists and friends and just community members. Um, so I received uh, kind of edited versions of those interviews and listened and picked out some interesting themes that kind of connected the, the interviews and kind of worked them into this piece that we'll hear. The themes that I picked out um, and kind of structured things around was a kind of sense of first impressions and coming to South River. That was kind of the first act or whatever. Um, and I paired that up with like a little soundscape that I did of driving here and getting out of the car. Uh, that was the first thing we heard. Um, then the second sort of act was about um, different kind of relationships being built in the area with other folks with the land with yourself kind of thing and then the last uh, sort of act was just also on that kind of like relationship building but kind of final um, reflections on living in this place. My process for making this was I got these interviews and I made kind of these rough transcripts um, just to kind of get really immersed in what people were saying and to uh, think through. And as I was transcribing the interviews, I picked out some themes. Uh, so some another theme that I thought was really interesting was Darren's questions. Um, that kind of came up in some interviews. Um, what are the kind of things that um, you were asking about, Darren, um, to, to get people to talk? And then the kind of ideas of, you know, coming to to town, I found really interesting. There were also a lot of remarks in the interviews about um, kind of the practicalities of living here. But I think for this project, I decided I was more interested in kind of the ideas of why here and um, what 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 are kind of the more emotional reasons for um, staying in spite of some of the challenges and difficulties.
0: Up in South River, Brenda.
2: I did not. I grew up in southern Ontario, and I moved north in 1979 to Perry Sound area, and then to McKellar and then to South River.
3: Well, we came here in 1985. My husband had always worked in the lumber industry, and he wanted a business of his own. And after searching for about a year and a half, we ended up here in South River. 1985. Brought our four boys, who we were from grade two to grade twelve at that time, and all of them over the course of the time till we sold in 1996 worked with us in the business.
0: Jill, what was your first memory of Sunridge, South River, this area?
4: Funnily enough, my first memory uh, was coming in, flying in in a small. 1946 Aronca Champion airplane from Musoni and landing at the airfield here. Coming down from uh, we, we lived uh, for one year in Moussini. Um, You know, it's Muskeg and um, it's very, very empty. Here it's not that much different um, except you can always find the landmarks there's always uh, a highway there's the highway that the you know, threads everything together. But of course, east and west of that, there's empty land too. And um, I think here it's more. Uh, I think it's a little bit different. I think the the trees are certainly different. There was black spruce, and here we know what it is. So it's maples and yeah, you know, pines. Mm-hmm.
0: And how about when you were growing up? I was growing up. Oh,
2: okay, when I lived on the farm at the golf course. That was different. We had a big box stove downstairs in the living room, the kitchen stove, of course it was only the stone part that we lived in, eh? and the pipes went up through a a hole in the floor through the bedrooms and sometimes they would catch on fire if the fire got going too much. I can remember my mom throwing, (coughs) you know, uh, wet towels over them to cool them off because otherwise it was close to the walls. and that, but, uh, you know, and the same, we did puzzles and we played games and outside activities and that, so that yeah, was, I mean, I don't regret any of that. It was
5: never, that. never no. like a
0: empty moment. There no, <laughs> no,
2: we all got along, I mean, there were five of us kids and uh, mom and dad, and so we did what we could do, and no, it was okay, actually, I don't regret, I think of the good times we used to have, eh? Mm-hmm. which is what, what is <coughs> special when all the families are together like that, so...
6: My grandparents bought property in 1952, I believe, on Eagle Lake, and they almost bought the property that became Mikasoo Park, except it was a hunting camp or something at the point, or a tourist lodge and that kind of thing, and my grandmother said, I'm not doing other people's laundry. <laughs> so they decided not to buy the Mikazoo property, but they bought uh, uh, the um, off Scarlet Road just a little bit north of the Narrows. Beautiful, beautiful property. So I was born in 1957, and I can't remember the first time coming up here because there was probably a teeny, teeny, tiny baby.
7: I came from the city, uh, and now I own an 80-acre farm, so I'm intimately connected with the different level of work physically that's required just to keep it going day to day. Well, when I first came up here, uh, we came up during the winter, which was a stupid thing to do. Uh, you should generally come up here during the spring, summer, or fall if you want to get settled, but we came up during the winter.
8: Well, we came here, we were lost.
2: <laughs>
8: yeah. So it was kind of exciting because we were on an adventure. But we knew we were going north. And we knew we were going for about a month. And we were taking our cameras and doing all kinds of photos. And the the evening that we arrived in South River, and I said we were lost, we were lost because we didn't know where we were going to pitch our tent. And it was our last night before we took the, you know, the rest of the trip back home, which at that time was Kingston and and Joe lived at Charbot Lake. So, um, we, and we just headed down that road because we could see the sign that said Algonquin Park and Tom Thompson and something like that. So we, we were just looking feeling guided, it's almost like the car was taking us. And we got almost to the end of the road and we saw a big for rent sign on this huge building. And we just looked at each other and we just felt kind of, you know, this tingly feeling like, oh, something's here, you know? So we went and knocked at the person's door who was renting it. They invited us in as if they've known us all their lives. We talk stories about nature and photographing birds and wildlife. and Canoeing, and it was just like we'd known them forever, and then they showed us the place for rent, and and we just looked at each other and said, Do you want to move?
0: first came to South River you'd already experienced the region or just the circumstance or what did it offer that other places didn't or
9: we played a game well it wasn't a game one one day I was out with the children there was a leg hole trap
7: mm-hmm.
9: and we were sliding down this hill And this leg hole trap was in a tree. And Alicia's hands went right by it. And in it was a dead critter. And it had chewed its paw off before it died. But it still hadn't got out. So we developed a hatred Mm -hmm. for those traps. So there's a trap on the floor. A beaver had been caught. And it was only the bones. There was nothing. There was no body there. It had all been consumed. And so your eyes focus in on the problem. You realize this is different. And you saw wolf prints and looked up and there they were. They were just watching us and we were handling their dinner.
10: Great. Great.
9: And it, we had a very old dog with us. So there was. Alicia was beside me and then we had this amazing moment where we looked up and all of us looked at each other. And then AJ and I turned around. And we put the beaver down and then we picked up the dog and we just walked quietly away. And that was, was one of those moments that were beautiful.
6: I would come up with grandma a lot even when mom and dad couldn't come. And so I do remember being at the lake and just the silence. I do remember CBC radio playing all the time when I was up here with Grandma and she would knit and she would crochet and she would write and everything like that. Always a lot to read. We would go fishing. But I can remember being 10 years old. I think I was either 10 or 11, either 67 or 68. And for some reason, I just really, really started fixating on the Russian invasion of Czechoslovakia. And I don't know why, at 10 or 11, that was something which was, I, I just thought this was a terribly important story. That and, and I can remember the the soft glow of the lights and the call of the loons out in the water and the wave lapping, waves lapping on the shore and the sound of this CBC radio reporting on this military invasion. So I don't know what it was about me as an 11-year-old. I think it was the sense of I'm away from my parents in this very, very, very quiet, quiet, quiet place, and there are bad things happening in the world, and I'm kind of scared, you know? Except Grandma was there, so that mitigated the feeling of being scared. I moved here from Cajun.
11: I was 14, and I'm 53 now, so. You always know in the fall, you'll hear, or around December, you'll start hearing the chickadees, so you know it's winter and the Blue Jays and then of course in the spring it's more the robins and uh, different uh, oh, sparrows. They, I don't know what exactly the sound they make but uh, you just hear different things, different sounds. And they're definitely my entertainment. I, I like watching them, watching their behaviors.
3: We we inherited a very good business. It was well established, and the previous owners were very good in helping us get established ourselves. Wim took George around to meet all of the construction workers, because we came here in December. And back in those days, the town shut down as far as building was concerned. And most of the contractors back then would plow snow or have some other means of doing something through the winter time rather than continuing with construction. A lot of them today are continuing in construction and they have the facility to keep things warm and carry on. Back then, why that was sort of how we got our feet wet. Uh, George was quite familiar with the lumber business. I knew nothing (laughs) uh, about that other than you know, I knew what a piece of wood was and I knew what nails were and I could use a hammer but as far as being able to help somebody as a customer, I had to learn all that, and over the course of time, I did, and really enjoyed it. Uh, As it turned out, a year later, the owners of the ABC Lumber closed their store. Their two boys were not interested in carrying on, and Mom and Dad were ready to retire, so we became the only one in South River. I don't know what it is about local stores that they don't think have what they need, because we do. Just generally speaking, a lot of people who are local don't seem to support local business. Why? We're just small, I guess, I
9: don't know. (laughs) So our story about the winter is, it was a beautiful day. Alicia had her cross-country skis.
10: Our daughter.
9: Our daughter. And our son, who was about five, was a Superman hero so he had his superman cape and he was walking so we head out to the lake and we're sticking to the shore and david's walking in front marching aj's at the rear and john and i are in the middle gauging Lake. yes and then all of a sudden as if he just took a breath he disappeared he went straight in and the only thing on the ice was his cape because it was caught so I grabbed the, the cape and I was pulling back mm-hmm. and my weight took me Ooh. So I went in but I had David here now and then John had a log to stand on mm-hmm. and he pulled the two of us out. Mm-hmm. So um, our respect for ICE yeah. just grew of course we we're all fine so it's a good story to tell. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking David up to from
4: there soaking yeah. where ice is green. as I reach this forty year mark, this same spot, the same house. You know, the landscape will I I, I will return sort of favorite landscapes and re examine them and that'll kind of mark that moment thinking about that.
0: So do you find you revisit the same locations and things around your property mm-hmm. and then but over time, your
4: response has changed to them? I did recently revisit familiar favorite spots. It started because I had read a quote from uh, the artist David Milne, and he had referred to a place where he spent time living and painting. Um, later, he referred to it as a perfect painting place. And I did make a journey down to New York State, to stay there and paint, I wanted to see the, you know, what a perfect painting place looked like. And then when I, when I came back here, it made me wonder. Um, so what is perfect? And what about what about my spot? And what about my favorite places? And how would they measure up? And were they perfect? Or had they lost a little something over time? So I, I did a project. I went and I revisited places that. Um, had a lot of meaning to me where I'd drawn repeatedly over the years. So I I I did a series and revisited those familiar spots and and they held up. They're still as beautiful and evocative and they're still and of course now they're linked to time. They're linked to my time here. They're not really they're not just about they're not just about, you know, a landscape. They're about time past what happened there, or what's happened since, and how that all layers together. The first impression?
7: Uh, not, I don't think it's really changed that much. You know, we, we've always loved it up here, and we knew people here from coming up different times during the year. So, uh, you know, it's about the same, and we really like it here. So, I've been writing songs the last four songs I've written is about South River and area, so I love to write the songs about South River and usually funny songs it makes people laugh but it makes them remember. Well a few years ago there was a youth group that were putting on a play written by somebody locally and they wanted a fiddle some fiddle music and a, and a, a tune for the for the play and I thought well the name of the 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 nickname for South River is called Charcoal Town. So I got some information from different people and went to the library and got information there and talked to a few people, elders from town here. And I wrote the song for uh, Charcoal Town about South River and about The train station and the hardware store and Eagle Lake and Rye and you know all that kind of thing and then that's the last line on that and when I'm asked where I'm from, I'm from South River with pride.
0: Find that uh, the many outsiders that pass through here—that there's something that they're missing. And what and what it, what did it do for you that those other places didn't do? What about the things that you can do here that you can't do? Uh, what are the sacrifices of living here?
4: I think. There's a funny thing about outsiders, insiders, locals, um, cottagers, tourists. There's that divide, yeah. But what I found is, in actual fact, there's a community of people that come every year that have deep, deep roots. They're very, very um, entwined in this area. They've been here. Their families have been here much longer than I have. So. Um, they're passionate about the area. They've got um, you know, m- memories and places that were built by grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Those are, um, like, those are people that I, that I meet. As far as people passing through, well, I guess they're on their way to somewhere else and I don't really, I, I don't have much to do with them. They just kind of come through, get some groceries, whatever, and I, d- I don't see them again. No, I just, yes, I don't, you know, I don't really have any kind of relationship with them.
8: Even though we were, we're born around here, we're not, you know, from this area, we feel like we're home here.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's home. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really admired this whole area. It's, it, you feel at home. Yeah. It's more relaxed and, I mean, the other places we were in, it was nice too, but nice people, mm-hmm. but this is more, um, I think we find our, our destiny or find our home. Yeah. When we do, we, we feel more relaxed and we say, this, this is it.
0: But is there a sense, I mean, I get a sense of South River being a kind of a uh, launching point for going to other places like Macker or or out to the park or whatever. Out to the park. yes. Like, is, a, is there, Sunridge have a similar thing? or is no, no, because Sunridge
8: is the destination because it's on the lake. It's That's... Because it's on the lake. Yes. yes. So, so it is the difference. destination. Yes. Whereas uh-huh. South River is not the destination. Um, it's the you know. kind of convenient
0: Yes, kind of yes. commercial point, there.
8: Yes. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, but I mean all of that is very unfounded.
5: I fell in love with it. I don't know what it was and I just I came up. I've known John and Julia for a long time and um, James, of course, has known John and Julia since he was five. Um, but we've always lived in Toronto and um, we noticed that every single weekend we would leave the city and go hiking and go into the woods and go north, you know. So we decided um, that somehow we were going to move north. It's more human because the woods are right there, I mean, you can be in the woods very quickly, Um, you just have to walk a few steps. Uh, Actually, on the property, there's a very magical couple of forest clumps that are on these beautiful hills. And um, it's, you know, when you walk into a forest and you just do this, you go, (sighs) you know, it's just, this release of all the tension that you don't know is in your body (laughs) but in the city it's just it feels for me anyway like it's constantly there and and I have been noticing it a lot because I have regular intervals in the woods you know and hiking so I really notice it and I just feel like I can breathe, that it's quiet and space, space and connected, and and uh, it's magic. It's pure magic. It's as close to magic as you can get. I think
11: <laughs> South River, especially. I've never seen a community as strong. Uh, especially if anybody's in need. This community will come together so quickly. It doesn't matter if they don't know you or not. They don't care what color you are, what nothing, but they will all come together and they will all fundraise. They will make sure you whatever you need, it will be done. And over the years, I cannot say I've seen uh, a town like South River They're the only ones that I know. I'm sure there is, but they are very community-minded, for sure. And, yeah, it's really opened up my eyes that way. And I always think I'm very grateful to be here, big time. I have one story, quickly. My neighbor down uh, across the road from when we lived at the other house, our, what was it, our, we had a severe um, thunderstorm, and uh, our hydro went out, and, I was home alone with the kids. and My husband was at work and there was some other things happening in the house that I was scared. And I went over to my neighbors and they just happened, they have a propane stove. And so the kids and I went over and they just had, they gave us a bowl of, I don't know, stew or soup and a drink. And they just, you know, we were able, they helped us out when at need. And it was just so warm to go in there. And they, like I said, they had a big pot of, I don't know if it was stew on the stove. And just really nice. And they opened their doors to us and helped us out.
3: But anyway, I also remember the first year we were here, as I said, we came in December. And we bought skis to go family skiing and right across the road from us one of our employees and our oldest boy used to make track for cross-country skiing and we used to head out sometimes in the morning before work or on a Sunday afternoon when we were closed said this is just like a like the Christmas cards it was just such a beautiful scene and you don't appreciate where you're living until you get there, I guess, and really realize how beautiful this area is. We found a home here. We found family and friends through the business, through our church and made, made good friendships here.
0: Was uh, Good Ways North by Aisha Parmenia, heard here on Making Waves. And uh, now we're going to listen to a little more of the discussion from the uh, public presentation. And uh, we asked her about the process of being handed material to work with rather than going out and uh, collecting the content for the piece.
1: I think I would have, if I was going out to do the interviews on my own, I would have pursued different avenues of questioning. Um, but I think it was also an interesting project. Uh, from the perspective of you and Nadine like moving here and wanting to you know make sound art in the community and want to go out and do recorded interviews uh, I think it's all related and so I think it's interesting to that it wasn't me because um, you're I don't know I think it's just interesting to think of what angles you're coming from as someone who's joining the community what questions are you asking versus me who's kind of just passing through one of the outsiders passing through, uh, the questions that I asked would be, would be different. Um, so I do a lot of like documentaries and podcasting stuff in Peterborough where I live. Um, and I find it a really nice way of engaging with the community and learning about people who are doing interesting things locally and just meeting people that I then see at like farmer's markets or whatever. Um, so in the same way that, like, running a hardware store, you meet a lot of people and you become a community member, I think making documentaries and making sound art can also be a way of engaging with the community. Um, so it was interesting receiving the material from, from you guys who have kind of done the process of, like, going out and uh, meeting people. Oh, they're all done here. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of neat doing interviews, too, because it gives you an opportunity to ask these kind of, like, nosy questions. Um, and, like, just really very seriously ask someone who you may, might see all the time um, and have, like, you know, oh, weather's bad today, oh, how's, how's your mom kind of questions. But uh, there's something about an interview where you can really drill down and, like, get at conversations that are kind of harder to get at, um, at least for me. I, I also got to go out to Joanne's property and uh, interview, interview you a little bit. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um and then the other kind of component to the the piece um other than the interviews was um I brought in a bunch of soundscape um field recordings so um some were from Joanne's property um what we were hearing at the beginning was a recording of uh, blue jays um at a feeder yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and then the dog left that in there <laughs> Um, and then I brought in some recordings that had been posted online from uh, Eagle Lake, um, some by Darren and then another by Matt. Matt Migalski Matt Mugelsky. Um, So those, were. I think, were done more in the summer fall. So there was kind of like a seasons changing in, um, in the recording. And then we ended back at a kind of winter soundscape. Um, that was what we ended on was a recording I made last year um at the soundscape workshop um just walking around the property out at warbler's roost so kind of picked some some soundscapes that kind of might work in terms of uh sort of the themes like kind of coming and getting settled and hearing the landscape here and then the kind of walking about like exploring the area
0: that was aisha Barmenia on wgxc this is making waves to take us to the end of the show for this month, this is a piece called WRGO, or What's Really Going On, and it's um, made by Don Hill, a radio artist from Edmonton, and he created this piece in a residency as well. Uh, his residency, though, was at The Blast Theory in Brighton, England, and the piece uh, very much is a response to um, the Brexit, which was, of course, uh, highly debated at the time, and uh, also he produced the piece using binaural audio, so uh, we highly recommend it. That you use headphones to listen to the remainder of the show.
10: I don't know where this is going but that's where I'm headed. A train, a grandmother and a grandson. And a right proper gentler. He sits beside me. A generation ago, you could call him a dandy, dressed to the nines. His elegant hat puts my straw chapeau to shame. He sits quietly, thumbing his phone. Every stitch about this fellow signaled meticulous presentation and good on him. He sat for almost an hour, thumbing through myriads of online shops for shoes. 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 More shoes. Yes, I stared. Shoes. Very fashionable. And the fall collection from the look of it. Later when I recounted some of this story, a very smart woman asked where is this all going? It all sounds rather abstract, she said. I don't know where you're taking me. And that's the point, isn't it? Nothing is on track here. Nobody really knows where this island nation is coming or going, but that's where the country is headed come fall. So it makes sense to talk about shoes. Cognitive dissonance is in play. The language of reason and reasonableness is in conflict with the language and logic of emotion. Within or without, shall we stay, or should we go, or no? And yes, it's as if people are sleepwalking, I said. And if the shoe fits, Well, should I say when the shoe fits, who's going to wear it?
12: Should a man be held responsible for his dreams?
8: Responsible for his dreams. Dream.
12: A woman. A woman. A woman. Dream. Should anyone?
8: Anybody be punished for whatever pops, for whatever pops into, into their, their head.
12: head?
10: Where what do, do th- these dreams th- come, come from? What come from? You asked a question.
12: You put it out there. Out there. And I answered it. Well.
7: What about that question? Question. Well. In the privacy of my own mind, you asked that I dream out loud.
12: Well, you asked that I dream out loud.
7: loud. Did you really want to know what I thought? Did you really
12: want to know what I thought?
7: You asked, remember?
12: You asked, remember?
10: Dream,
12: well. Dream, well.
10: Dreams blew in with the wind.
12: Like the weather on this coast. It was strange.
7: Remember? Yes. Remember? No.
12: Dreams blew in with the wind? Yes. Remain? Maybe. Leave? Yes. It was strange? It was strange. And then again, no. Yes, again. K N O W. No, there is a thought. Yes, and then again? No. I love you. I love you. Leave? I hate you. Not. I hate I you. I need you. I love you. I want you. <laughs> I can't stand the thought of you.
7: I have desires.
10: Careful.
12: I
8: I I hate you. I I am old. I, I love you and I, I can't imagine desires. a future without
12: you. I I want you. I I I am old and I can't imagine a future without you. I have desires. Me. I. Me. Me. I am old. I am old and, and I, I can't, can't imagine a future. Without a future without you. Of I am your young. Dream. And I can't and imagine
7: I don't a future. I am young,
12: you? and I don't understand you. And I
7: can't imagine a future with your dream. I, I am young, and I, and don't, I don't understand, understand your dream,
13: dream at all. I
12: am, I am old, old and, and young, young, and I live here. I, live here. I, am, I am old and, and, young and young, and I, I live, live here, here.
10: Listen. What if it's just a dream?
7: what will here look like soon
12: and thereafter careful
7: and after that surely we can dance this nervous dance surely we can dance this nervous dance surely
12: we can dance this nervous dance and and dream dream without tripping each other up up.
7: what if it's please please
12: where's the melody careful what's What's the the tune tune? dream is it pop it pop or not does it matter is it a dream does it matter does it matter
10: what if it's just a dream?
12: Careful. Mind again.
10: Mind again. What you wish for. Mind careful. The Again.
13: Brexit doesn't go away, it's with us all the time, every second of every day. It's there in the background, it's that background noise, building like a pulse. Brexit doesn't go away, let's assume it does happen. Mm -hmm. That kind of explosion that this pulse could be connected with, could be, that's what it could be about. And Brighton, Brighton now, why is that sound relevant to Brighton now? All sorts of reasons. I mean, you know, um, ambient noise. Millennials wanting to hear experimentation going on. I suppose also even in Brighton as well. There are a lot of very, 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 very worried people. The sound of a lot of worried people. Especially in places like Brighton. You know, it's a town that's very dependent on tourists, artists. And we're all worried about our relationship with those people.
10: How do we change the soundtrack? How do we change the ambience? What would need to be introduced to influence a generation to make a decision that doesn't create so much anxiety? Well,
13: (laughs) part of me worries that that's not possible, or not possible for a long time. I mean, you know, it's sort of simplistic notions of bringing the nation together. Bringing people together to allow them to have their opinions. Part of me actually doesn't really believe that that's going to happen. You know, on the simplest of levels, there should be a second referendum the people's voice should be listened to. That will also create if that any of that were to happen, which I, I fear it won't, then that will also create more noise.
10: oh People shout, people shout, people shout. We just found out. What's really, really
2: going
10: on? on. W-R-G-O points, the points, points, the points must
13: the will be
2: heard.
10: WRGO, the art of patience.
13: WRGO, patient, ultimately. Everybody's advantage. Yeah,
10: you right. Okay. WRGO. What's really, what's what's really going on? No no very Uh oh. No very, very
13: well. No very, well, well, no very well. True. And most time, um, What's really what's going on? You truth, you no, 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 no. Yeah, you're right. Uh oh. So
10: he just found out. What's really going on? Restraint! Patience!
2: Order! Why? New
10: message. on, here is your WRGO. What's really, really? Going on. Fill space. Oh oh.
12: Yes. Think. I will always be sing,
3: sing, yes. sing, 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 England, sing, sing,
10: You just found out
0: That was uh, What's Really Going On, or W-R-G-O, by Don Hill. To take us to the very end, I have a piece by Jeffrey Cinabaldi, a sound artist from the Niagara area of Ontario, and um, his piece uh, uses a chopped up voice of a debt collector contrasted against a sound uh, environment of uh, the Lakeside Steel Plant being uh, demolished in Welland, Ontario. To understand, and
2: like, this is where I think the disgust gonna... The idea behind it all.